favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. there. Welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski. Each week, I'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have a new author to the Buggy Talk, Paul Stutzman, who will introduce us to his Amish series, The Wanderers. Hello, Paul. How are you today? Hi, Tracy. I'm great. How about yourself? I am wonderful. I had such a great time getting to know you a little bit at the Amish Adventure Authors event that was um, held in Berlin this past June. We met each other there, and I knew that you would be a great fit for our listeners to the Buggy Talk podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, you're welcome. It's great meeting you there, having it in Berlin, Ohio, during a power outage of all things. We had, I we had one of the worst storms ever that week. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, for those listeners who don't know, we did um, a bunch of us Amish fiction authors and a lot of our followers and our and our book fans met us in Berlin, Ohio, and they had tornadoes go through the area like two days before we were supposed to be there. And the hotel we stayed in didn't have any electric for a couple days and it was hot, but we made the best of it. Now, Paul, you're from the area, right? So you didn't have to stay at the hotel or did your home have electric? No, it did not. I was out of I had no power for over a week. And uh, both of my refrigerators, I lost everything in it. Uh, but out of it, I got two clean refrigerators now. <laughs> oh, yes, you did. <laughs> but you can, that's the, the uh, looking at the good side of a bad that's situation. Right, yeah. So that was right. perfect. Yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know Paul, Paul is an adventure writer and he walked is that the Appalachian Trail? The Appalachian walk? Trail, yes. The Appalachian Trail, and you've written a few stories about your adventure there. But what I think our listeners are going to be so excited to hear about is you were actually born Amish. So that means your stories and the story, the, the series that we're going to talk about today, The Wanderers, is set in Old Order Amish and you have a lot of knowledge about that culture, so I would assume your your stories are very authentic. So tell us just a little bit about your backstory. Well, my backstory is, like I said, I was born Amish. My parents were both have both raised Amish, married Amish. Several years after I was born, they left the Amish faith for what's called conservative Mennonite, and it, it wasn't. You know, we call it jumping the fence, <laughs> but it was a very low fence. They left for spiritual reasons. They wanted to be more spiritual. They could have electricity and a car. And that's really the only, not the only difference. My father's father, which would be my grandfather, was an old order Amish man all his life. My grandmother was an Amish lady. So I spent every summer, a couple of weeks on their farms and working with them and just helping them and, and raised in that environment. That's how I, when I decided to, well, like you said, I was an adventure, but I decided to write some Amish novels because I knew the culture, I knew the lifestyle. And I know Amish genre is a, is a big genre nationwide. And I've had so many people come to me and say, you know what, so many of these books are written and they're not portraying our old order Amish lifestyle accurately. I thought, well, I'm a writer and I, I was raised that way. I know exactly how, how their lifestyle is. And a lot of people may not know this, but there's many different levels of Amish. And what I write from what's called the Old Order Amish, which is the original settlement, they now have break-offs from that, which is like a New Order Amish. 
And there's Amish with different names like the Dan Church, Sports Interpreter Church. And they all have their different rules and regulations. And a lot of times people read Amish and it might be what we call more of a low order Amish. There's an order of Amish called Sports Interpreter Amish uh, north of me about 15 miles. And their rules and regulations are a little bit different than my old order Amish that I was raised in. Old order Amish is sort of the mainstream Amish group in America. The writing that I do is based on the back in the late 60s, early 70s, when I was actually a teenager uh, for a young man growing up and, and ran around with some Amish boys. But my writing, this series called The Wanderers, is based from the late 60s, early 70s. And it just follows the life of a young Amish boy growing up, questioning his faith, questioning if he wants to stay Amish or if he's missing something by not being Amish. And I kind of just delved into that. As an author, I write what I know. Can't write what you don't know. And so my life has been running restaurants, working in the hospital, riding bicycle, hiking. And as a Christian, I always like to include uh, spirituality in my book. And the Amish community is it's religious. It's also spiritual. There's a lot of, there's a family is vital. Their uh, spirituality is not is not in your face. I mean, it's just they they live their life. What they say, we live the best we can, and that we believe when we pass away, we go to heaven. Well, as and as a Christian man, I believe I have faith that I will. They say we hope, and so that's I, I have some of these things in there where this boy questions what his belief is and what if he's being taught right. So, Paul, I have one question about the old order Amish. So, do you feel? The old order Amish from the 60s, have they progressed or how are they different than the old order Amish of today? They're way more spiritual than what they used to be back in the 60s and 70s. I have an Amish minister, an Amish minister. Uh, he's probably, I'd say he's probably in the 50s now, and he's a dynamic uh, minister. When I wrote the Wander series, I took the document to his house because uh, he, loves, he loves my writing, my adventure writing. I said, hey, uh, Myron, I said, I'm, I'm writing these Amish books, and I know how it is in the Amish community that they don't like when you uh, have Amish books that aren't accurate. I want you to read this document and see what you think. And he called me one day, and he said, Paul, you're costing me money. Instead of being out in my shop making furniture, I'm in my office <laughs> reading your book. He said, I absolutely love that book. He said, it's, it's so it's so accurate. I talked to him and I and I said, ask, and, you know, he's a he's a minister, and he said he preaches the gospel, he preaches salvation. That's and and that's more in in the old order Amish. That's very accurate and true anymore. Like I said, there's there's other groups uh, that are what we call we call them low Amish, like some of these lower Amish. You don't see them. Uh, they won't wear shoes. They're barefoot most of the time. Their hair's a bit longer. Some of them are actually allowed to smoke cigars or cigarette cigarettes, but they have to be brown. Now, it makes no sense, but that's when, when you rate and also their curtains have to be purple. And like if you do it at a kitchen counter, you can only go so many feet, like 10, 15 feet, then you have to drop a foot. Yeah, I say that and, it, and it's funny and it makes no sense. But those are the rules and it has to do with that has to do with it might be prideful. And but when you're raised in that environment, you buy into it. But a lot of people realize there's more to life than that. And, and they seek more spirituality. I think what some of our readers struggle with is because there are so many different Amish authors. All of us write about either different areas of the country or different orders, whether it be right. new order or old order or the very, very conservative Amish groups. They're all different. And that's what I think people have a hard time understanding, um, that there is a big difference. Most of the Amish 
they believe in Jesus. They believe in salvation. There are some older order Amish that may tend to believe in their works over salvation through Christ, but they're few and far between. But there are differences. There really are differences. I don't know how many communities there are across America, but they're really growing. And the the irony of it is it's across America, church memberships decreasing. Amish is one of the few communities that actually is increasing and retaining their young people. You know, across America, a lot of younger people don't go to church anymore. Uh, the Amish really retain their church. And the irony is the more, I call it lower, but the more you go lower in the Amish community, like the people up north, of what I call the sports and troopers, they have the highest retention of, of their youth than anybody in the Amish community. Now, some of that is fear driven because they, that community will still ostracize the kids if they leave or right. it's called shunning. Uh, right. The main uh, old order Amish, they don't do that very much anymore. When my mom and dad left, my grandfather did not shun and my grandmother did not shun them. Uh, so there's still some communities that do that. And so if, if you're writing books in a community that does that, your books are going to reflect that. Then readers will think, well, that's every all the Amish community does that. And it's just not the case. But no, whatever community you're with, that's that is the case. And uh, so there's a lot of interesting characters in, in the Amish uh, community. There certainly are. There certainly are. And we're going to talk more about the wonders here in a minute. But we've talked so much about the Amish. I really want to talk about your writing career for a few minutes. Oh, great. Okay. So tell me, Paul, what do you think success means to you when it comes to your author career? Success for me, and I don't really spend much time thinking about it, but the ultimate success is is one day when God says you did the best you could with what I gave you. But then that also goes to my writing career. And for me, uh, I thought about writing, and for anybody who's written books, and, and the people that are going to listen to this probably have written books, when you hold that first book in your hand, whether it sells one or a thousand, that's success already, because you did what a lot of people want to do and don't. Right. And so I meet a lot of people that want to write, and, and I, I help anybody. I, I'm glad to help anybody, because I think if you help other people, that you're going to be helped yourself. You're going to be blessed. And uh, But most people that want to write don't. So that's success right there because you've done it. And whether you sold, you know, the, I was told if you sell 500, that's successful. Well, I sold 8,500 hardcovers of my first book. Uh, was that successful? I guess. Uh, and then I sold the rights to that, which is uh, called Hiking Through, and that sold, I think, 200,000 copies. Was that successful? Well, maybe. But what I define success in writing is is this. The words that I write with the talent that God has given me, does it change? Does it have the ability to change someone's life? That to me is success. And I have gotten thousands of emails from my, especially my hiking through book uh, about based on on quitting my job and hiking the Appalachian Trail because my, when my wife died. And the people that the stories I've gotten about the lives that were changed, people brought back to church, and what they what some of these people are doing now. And I realize that. Using the gifts, and all of our, your your listeners have gifts. God has given everybody, in my opinion, a certain gift. Some of them have more than others. But to use that gift to help other people change your life, that is success. Absolutely. So is writing your full-time career, Paul, or do you, do you dabble in other things? Oh, I dabble in other things. People ask me, do you like to write? And I said, no, not really, but it's a <laughs> talent that I have. And I, I'm, I, I should write a book on procrastinating, but I'm, I'm kind of waiting to write that one. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> but 
I mean, I've, I've worked hard all my life. I actually, I'm 71 years old. And so, uh, it's like, I, I could do nothing, but I, you know, I can't not do anything because I still have a brain. I still have ideas. I have so many book ideas. Uh, by the way, I'm looking for a ghostwriter for some of these ideas. If anybody <laughs> has absolutely nothing to do and likes to do research. There but, we go. Yeah. I do, uh, and I just started, I just took up art and I, I've always wanted to draw, but then I bought some books and I started to do some sketching. And what I realized is creative people need to create. You need to create, otherwise you're going to get boring and dry and, and sad and lonely and depressed. You got to create something. Uh, it's why I go out and plant flowers. It's why, it's why, it's why I write. But I, I, when I'm, when I'm writing, and I'm writing a book right now called On Living. It's sort of a quasi devotional book, but it's just a bunch of stories about growing up in, in the Amish community, Amish Mennonite community. It's just some funny stories, some serious. When I'm seriously writing, I'll, I'll get up, have my devotions, drink my coffee. And I'll write like six hours and I'll, I'll set a, a word limit. Could be anywhere from 500 to a thousand words. 500, you know, you can knock off 500 words if you're inspired pretty quickly. There's days 500 words is like squeezing water out of a rock. And that's when I got to go walk. I take my phone, I go for a walk and then, then the idea comes. I put it in my notes. Lately, I've, I've been just doing more journaling because of, of thoughts and ideas and, and you need to read. And so I read. Growing up, you know, in, in the, coming from the Amish to a conservative Mennonite, we, we were not allowed to have radio or TV. So I read and I'm, I remember discovering the library out at Millersburg, Ohio. And I said, I was just some kid and I said, dad, what's, it's a building. It's got books in it. He said, it's a library. I'd never heard that name before. I said, I mean, I can go ahead and get books. And so every week I'd go there and I'd take as many books as I could get. And I read, I just read and read and read. And so that's how the Amish are too. They know they were raised no radio, no TV. So they do a lot of reading also. My education, uh, I went to high school and graduated from high school. I was the first one in my church actually to do that. It's, it's frowned on education. You know, you work till in the Amish community, eighth grade and you were done. Now, when I was, when my parents went uh, to the conservative Mennonite, I was allowed to go to the 10th grade because that's when you're 16. Well, I decided I'm going to go to graduate from high school. I just didn't want to go to, and I just wanted to learn more. And so I went to, and, and I've, ever since then, I've, I take seminar classes. I've taken all kinds of classes online where you can find out anything you want. If you're writing something, you, you can, it's incredible what's available at our fingertips for a person like me and probably most of my listeners. We're curious and we want to know. And if we're writing something, we want it to be accurate and we can, rather than getting in the Amish community, you'd have to go down and walk down to a payphone. You'd have to call somebody and get a driver and you'd go to the library or wherever to get your information. Now, the Amish community, and again, I had a meeting with my that Amish preacher. I was talking to him. I said, what's the biggest danger in the Amish community as far as your kids in the Amish? He said, the cell phone. We allowed it because our workers were masons and carpenters. And so we, we, and what happens, and I'm kind of going down rabbit trails here, but every year the Amish bishops in a community, in a, in a district get together and they decide that they look at society, what's happening, what will we allow? Will we allow the bicycle? Will we allow this? Will, will we allow phones? They decided we didn't have the phone. Well, what happened was that when they did that, they didn't think about the internet. They didn't think about iPhones. Well, now every Amish person in my community that's uh, the old order, new order, they have a phone. So he said, that's a danger. Everything the world has to offer now is in front of them. Now the thing is addressing now is the e-bike. And so the Amish, the old order Amish allow it. And uh, some of these other Amish groups do not yet. So I don't know if you were here 
if you saw them, but there's so many Amish people now, especially ladies with the e-bikes, and they put a little cart behind it, and they have the little child in the cart, right. and they'll go zipping down the highway, and they go to Walmart, and they, they are now, with that e-bike, they, they can go 20, 30 miles, and they don't have to even hire a driver, and so that's a big issue right now. So they go from phones to e-bikes. <laughs> so right. what, what is next? You know what? My, it's interesting because uh, in my neighborhood here, a house was sold recently. A young Amish couple bought it. They don't even have a horse and buggy. They have an e-bike. And so it's like. And then, what do they do in the wintertime? Uh, they'll, then they'll hire a driver. Oh, okay. Well, I know that Berlin, Ohio and Holmes County is a little more progressive than some of the Amish communities that are in the outlining areas, like where I was raised in Northwestern Pennsylvania, they're very, they're not as progressive as what Berlin, Ohio is. So, you know, honestly, probably not many communities in America are. There's no community in America like this. It's really it's an amazing uh, group of people and how innovative people are. And I actually wrote in one of my books, I've, I've wrote in there that that uh, are about education and uh, the Amish don't value school education that much. And I, I made a statement that there would have been a lot more Amish millionaires, but they had to finish the eighth grade first. Well, Paul, thank you so much for giving us so much insight into the Amish culture. I think that our listeners are going to enjoy that. But what they've really come for today is to hear more about your series, The Wanderers. First, I'd like to read the back matter just to set the stage of the book one, which is called The Wanderers. There's three in this series. Book one is The Wanderers. Book two is Wandering Home. And book three is Wander No More. But today we're going to talk about the first book of The Wanderers. So let me read your back matter. This is Paul Stutzman's The Wanderers. Johnny Miller grew up in a secure, stable, old order Amish family. He often quit, though, that he was out of order Amish, never able to totally accept all the rules and standards of his family's way of life. His early and constant doubts about the Amish lifestyle led to unwise choices and unhappy consequences. Finally, he makes one really good choice, lovely, spunky Annie. Their love story seems to bring peace for a short time, then a tragic turn of events leads to one more desperate decision. And even as Johnny leaves behind the life he's always known, he's not sure whether the path he's chosen will lead toward life and hope or destruction and condemnation. Paul, you've already given us a little bit of insight to Johnny's story, but tell us what the inspiration for this particular story was. The inspiration was, again, I had, I had, at this point in time when I wrote these, I had already hiked 2,200 miles in the Appalachian Trail. I'd biked across America. I was sort of tired of, of biking and, and hiking. I had, I had a lot of conversation with people about, in the Amish community about some of the Amish books. I thought, well, I was raised in that environment and I'm a writer. I, and so I just started thinking in my life how about, I want to write this butterfly story. I was doing research on butterflies and realized they're called the wanderers. And I thought, you know, a lot of, a lot of Amish kids, a lot of boys, especially, they do wander. They do wander out in the world. You know, do I, what am I missing? And I just, in my mind, as I'm walking, I'm just starting to dialogue and thinking up uh, like characters and, and what could be the basis for a good book? Well, so in my life, of course, my wife passed away of cancer. I worked with my grandma on the farm and I thought, you know what? I, I can, I can put a story together on about a young boy growing up in that environment. And if you read through the book, the more I realize that a lot of things that I talk about in the book are things that I actually went through. 
I have a, a, a funeral scene in there, which is very authentic old order Amish funeral. And when I when I wrote the book, I realized I was writing the story about when I was at my grandma's funeral when she was Amish. And I just I just put it into this guy's wife. So I just with, it took a lot of ideas and thoughts. And the fact that I had traveled and I had written Bike Across America, and I thought, well, this young Amish boy, yeah, he can do it too. And so I just took a lot of things uh, from my life, and I, I just put it in the book. So it's, it's like what I said, you can't write what you don't know. My growing up years kind of put into this story, of, of and it's, it's based on this farm in Walnut Creek. So what do you think your overall theme or the message of the book is? To me, the, the message is... Be content with what you have. Don't always be looking out and wondering, is it would, do they have it better? Is it better? Just, I guess, grow where you're planted. But the, the young man was always questioning. He was very intelligent. And he was always questioning, could he be more if he would leave the Amish faith? Again, spiritually. And, and my parents left the Amish to be more spiritual. The theme that goes through there is his question whether he could do more for society people if he would leave or is it better if he stayed of course his parents would would have wanted him to stay and so it's it's that pull between a young man and his parents do i disappoint him if i leave or do i look at what is what i feel is right and do it in in and hurt my parents so it's it's decisions that a young man faces in the amish community well you know i'm going to stop you for a minute paul because you've said something that i think some of our listeners would find very interesting and i understand what you mean but i don't think some of our our listeners will you said that your parents left the amish so that they could become more spiritual how about you explain to our readers what you actually mean by that the amish believe that this again i'm going back to the 1670s when right. i was with the amish and then you go back farther yet to the 40s, where my late 40s, where my parents were Amish. Their belief changed some since then. Their belief was that you lived the best life you could, and then you hoped you could get to heaven. They they don't they did not believe that you have assurance of heaven. As a Christian, I believe I have assurance of heaven. They did not. That has changed considerably. But in my era, when I read about it, it was still that way. Now in the old order community. Uh, anymore, and it's changed. They're they're preaching salvation and assurance, but uh, in this book, they still hadn't. But when my parents were in the Amish community, that was the belief system: is that that you do the best you can, and then you hope you get there. And if something happens, and this is still pretty accurate today, that if something happens, for instance, if your child was killed, whether it's a drunk driver or an accident on the farm, they say that's God's will. We accept it. And that's why there's virtually no lawsuits in the Amish community. And they will not sue you because they don't believe in that. They believe that God could have kept that from happening and it happened. And therefore, it's God's will. Now, I don't believe that. I, you know, people have choices to, that they make. But that's still pretty uh, prevalent in the Amish community. If uh, something tragic happens, it's God's will that that happened. And so we accept it. Amish is a lot of tradition. And it used to be a very just a very traditional but now it's it's like I said, it's really it, it's becoming uh, the mainstream Amish or, like I said, very spiritual. Exactly. So thank you for explaining the concept of the old order Amish, where they believe in work, uh, works based salvation rather than a Christ based salvation. One thing a lot of people may not know is the Amish are very similar to Catholic people. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they are. And, and they're very similar. And what, it, and both founders of Amish were Catholic priests. Right. And the Amish priest, Jacob Amon, and same with the Mennonite group there that was, came from a Catholic priest, uh, Menno Simons. And so the Amish are the Catholic, you know, they, and there again, I'm not, I'm not going to say I know how all Catholics believe, but I know in the past it was, it was, you, you got, you work, you work and work and work to get to heaven. And they're both, if you go, I mean, I've been to Amish churches and the church service, a lot of that Catholic uh, background comes into their belief system too. And most people would not know that. Well, Paul, why don't you take a few minutes and read us the first page of The Wanderers? He was 10 when he had the first state of beer. A late start, to be sure, but he was never bothered much by peer pressure. His friends had all sampled the stuff two or three years before, but Johnny Miller had felt no desire or need. There was only one reason he drank on that hot August day. He was thirsty. Finished with his morning chores, the boy started across the hayfield with an armful of boards ripped from an old wash house. Previous generations had scrubbed and soaked and steamed in the one-room shack in front of their farmhouse. John and Mandy Miller, though, had upgraded to a new kerosene washer, and now the women worked in the coolness under the long front porch. An old kettle still hung above the brick fire pit, but the wash house sagged like a tired old workhorse. John, Johnny's father, had assigned the boy the task of dismantling the old building. That was fine with Johnny. He had plans for that scrap lumber. He wanted to enlarge the deer stand, his deer stand. Years ago, Johnny's grandfather had secured several boards across two gnarled branches of a stately oak that stood sentinel at the edge of Miller's Woods. Ten feet off the ground, the rough platform accessed by short slabs nailed up the oak's trunk, creating a ladder. Over time, the trunk had swallowed up most of the rungs, but edges still protruded far enough for deer hunters to clamber up and lie in wait for the quarry. Well, that was... No, I wrote that because I was on my grandma's farm. I was on the field helping the, helping the shock. And the guy said, go get us some strows. Well, the Amish people in their, in their basements did have this water trough and a spring. The spring would fill the water trough. And that's where the ladies would have their, you know, their watermelons and, and, and lettuce or whatever to keep it cool. And then there'd always be beer in there too. And, and it was, it's not that they were drinking too much, but on a hot day, uh, that that was uh, tasted good. And so when I took the beer out to the boys or in the farm, the one said, do you want to taste it? Well, I'd never had tasted beer before. And so at age 10, I had my first sip of Stroh's beer. And it was terrible. And so I, I never drank much, but, uh, but it, it, it's, it, it was, it happens. And, and then in, in that farm on the Amish farm where my grandma was raised, they did have this old wash house and it was tore down. And so I just made that into a story where he made a deer stand out of it. Oh, that was really cool. I, I can't wait to read this, this series because now that I've spoke to you, I can just see you out on that farm. So <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it. So yeah. Paul, tell, tell us what is next for Paul Stutzman. Well, you know, I've, I've written two children's books. My first children's book came out, uh, last Christmas called The Cloud Factory. It's just a little story that came to you one day. I was, I was kind of half awake, half asleep, that kind of area where your mind just can do anything. And so this story came to me about some young, the little children making clouds in a factory. So I wrote a book called The Cloud Factory. And so uh, the second book's coming out this winter called The Great Cloud Rescue, where one of the little boys was curious, and he made a, a cloud uh, airplane and went up in the skies. Of course, the cloud disintegrates. It's like any good you know, book. you gotta, you got to have a turning point. You've got to have all that's lost. Well, then you have resolution. And so the children's book's coming out. And I'm writing the on living book right now about life, really. 
that's pretty much my life. You're right keeping now. busy. So can can our listeners find all of this information on your website? They can. Uh, it's it, my website is is hikingthrough.com or my name, my name paulstutzman.com. All my books are listed there, and um, I also have an author site on Facebook. Or they can they actually just go on Facebook and put my name in there, friend me. I have an Instagram account that uh, I had kept it updated till a couple of months ago. I was paying somebody to do it. I'm not very tech savvy. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, if they go to my website, uh, paulstutzman.com or hikingthrough.com or Facebook, just my name, uh, they can find me. And I'll have all your links in the show notes yeah, so everybody right. can find it there. And so my, Paul, email, my email address is in all my books too. And I love hearing from my, my uh, people. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, Paul, I love to do a little speed round that has absolutely nothing to do with your books or your stories, but what it does is it introduces our listeners to just what Paul Stutzman is all about. So are you ready for my crazy question? I can't wait. Okay, number one, would you rather ride a bull or jump from an airplane? I'd ride the bull. <laughs> You're very adventurous, so I wasn't too sure what you'd answer there. Well, you know what? I, 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 my, my first thought was, if I ride a bull and it bucks me off, I'll get a broken leg. If I, if I jump out of a plane, it doesn't open up. I'm dead for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So tell us, Paul, what is your favorite restaurant in Berlin, Ohio? Oh, my favorite restaurant, uh, probably. And there again, I've worked at Dutch Valley Restaurant in Sugar Creek, uh, 700 seat restaurant. But when I when I have a friend in the area, I, I go to Yoder's Kitchen in Mount Hope. All right. So listeners, it was uh, Yoder's Kitchen in Mount Hope. So that was a little <laughs> recommendation. from. <laughs> we have a little cafe in Berlin called Boyd and Worthman, which is in there for thousands of years. And uh, it's, it's a real small one. You probably can't get in it. But uh, yeah, I would say Yoder's. Okay. And number three, what is the first memory you have of being a child? Oh, I, matter of fact, on my fourth birthday, I've got a little uh, ceramic bear that was a uh, has a toothpick toothbrush holder in it, and that was my fourth birthday present. That would be it. And you still have it? I still have it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> still have it. Well, that's amazing. Well, Paul, I want to thank you for spending time with us this week, and I look forward to hearing more about your future projects here on the Buggy Talk podcast. Is there anything you'd like to say to your readers before we sign off? You know what? I would pretty much tell them what I already just kind of alluded to, and that is use those God-given talents to change lives. And it, whatever, I mean, I don't care what your writing is. It could be adventure. It could be anything, but include some spirituality and just give some, you know, give glory to God who gave you that talent and just to, to, to show people that there is more to life than just our day to day. There's a, there's a, and again, I don't know how deeply I could want to go with, with spirituality, but we had a song in church on Sunday and it really hit me to the point. I've heard the song so many times, but it brought tears to my eyes. And the, the the refrain is, I will raise you up. And it refrains that three times. And it says, on the last day. And all of a sudden, it really hit me that days are a limited commodity. We're, 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 we're working toward that limited quality of the last day. When and I, and I just thought to myself, it's the last day of recorded time. Wow. And then you, when you step into eternity, you can't record that because there's nothing to record it against. And, and if, as a believer, 
when I leave this world, it's eternity, it's forever. And, and it's like, I want to direct people to God because I don't want people to miss it on that last day when you no longer can measure time. I want their life. I want them, I want their direction, their life directed toward Jesus. To me, that's, that's the answer to all our problems. And as authors who have the gift of words, words have meaning, words have power and our words can change lives. And when these, my, these authors are at their keyboard or their tablets, what they're writing from their heart and their mind to their fingertips has power to change lives. And that is, as we said earlier, that is success. When you can change somebody's life, that's, that is, the, that is just powerful. And you can do that. And you can create your characters. You can make them anything. You can make them the vital sinner you want. You can make them the best Christian you want. But in your writing, give some glory to the creator of your gifts. I couldn't have said it better myself, Paul. Thank I you. I feel like we should lift an offering about now, shouldn't we? What was that? I said, I feel like we should lift an offering. I had, had <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. That was perfect. That Thank you so much. And to all of you listeners, if you want to pick up a copy of The Wanderers, look for the link in the show notes of this episode. You can find on my website at tracysamishbooks.com or you can go to buggytalkpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape. 